Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the pilot episode of Tusk, where the world is going to shit, so we're just kicking back and watching the show. So, here with me is a good old buddy of mine, Cruz Marquis, and um, Marquis, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Give us some of your background. Thank you for having me, Tusk. I have a associate's degree, and uh, right now I'm majoring in economics. I like to think I'm somewhat educated in that respect. I watch uh, global events and the world going to shit, as you quite eloquently put it, with uh, some regularity. I agree. The world definitely is going to shit, and it's it's been a few months since we've seen each other in person, but... Uh... From what I remember, you were never more than an arm's distance away from a book. You you had bags full of them, and almost all of them were in some way related to American history or political philosophy. So uh, how, how exactly did you get into politics and economics and social sciences? Right. I would say that my first... Uh experience with politics was probably when I was uh, seven years old, when I was watching the uh, primary debates with the Republicans for the 2008 presidential elections. For some reason, even though I was just seven and eight, always found I was on the side of the Republicans in the general election. And I got a lot of my education on how government worked by coming home from school and watching a situation room with Wolf Blitzer on CNN every day for several years. And eh, I guess it, I could tell the bias pretty early because I was always amazed at how the people I agreed with always seemed to lose the debates because they purposefully chose undergunned Republicans who were outmatched by their left-wing foes on there. I uh, got into activism more in high school. Well, I uh, was a chapter chairman with the group Young Americans for Freedom. It's a nonprofit educational group seeking to advance the values of a strong national defense, tradition of, traditional values, capitalism, and American liberty. It's pretty great. And uh, since then, in college, I, uh, I picked up economics more because it strikes me that the method of economic analysis is the most universal and applicable tool that you can use for the defense of liberty. You go around and look at the people who make a profession of defending liberty. Invariably, they end up being economists. So I figured I might as well get into the field and uh, try to defend liberty that way. I can tell, you know, and you and I both were pretty... At least I like to think I am as well pretty caught up on the current political scene. But, I mean, you've, you're clearly way more educated on it than I am. As you know, I turn to you a lot for guidance on certain political issues. But, uh, you know, we're, we're both... You flatter me. <laughs> well, we're both pretty into it, but um, it, definitely the kind of stuff that you're into is a bit above my pay grade. But I... I imagine you say that you first got into it at about seven years old, watching the Republican primaries for the 2008 election. I can only imagine how thrilled you were when uh, 
Barack Obama, or as I like to call him, Barry, was elected in a pre- by a pretty decent margin. It was a very disappointing morning. It was very disappointing. Right. I mean, uh, I don't even remember at that time. I just remember, naturally, Obama was the first president that I remember actually being president. I mean, he wasn't, he obviously wasn't the first president of my lifetime, but he was you know, that, that's the guy that I grew up with and grew up hearing my father in the kitchen going, damn it, you filthy fucking commie. But, uh, indeed. Right. So, Sadly, I remember Bush the second. Oh, yeah. Uh, he wasn't very impressive either. Yeah. I, I never knew much about him. My sister always loved him, but, um, from what I've heard, he, he's kind of, the Democrats see uh, Bush Jr., not Jr., but obviously Baby Bush, the way that Republicans see Barry. You know, they, they don't see him as in too bright of a light. Uh, from what I've seen, though, and I, I was actually watching videos last night of his megaphone speech in the rubble of 9-11, and obviously, I mean, his, his approval rating skyrocketed to 90% after 9-11. Which it's weird how shit just went so downhill and he's hated by a lot of people now. But when I watch his reaction 9-11, I see why his popularity went up. He did handle it, whether or not it was genuine, he did give off a very charismatic, God bless America feeling. Absolutely. uh, You know, putting the conspiracy theories aside. Other than that, I, I don't know as much about him as I know I should. Um... From what I've heard, though, I I do like his father, his uh, George H. W. Bush. I do like that he, from what I've heard, he followed a lot of traditional values and capitalism, free market, despite him failing to follow through on his promise of no new taxes. That that was less than that left a lot to be desired. But indeed. Right. I was going to say that if you weren't going to, but yeah, read my I lips. Read my lips. No new taxes, unless, unless I just feel like letting them go. But so, I think it goes without saying that you and I both don't hold the highest opinion of the current president right now, Joseph Robnett Biden Jr. Or is yes, I. Uh... Definitely don't think very much of him. Sniffy the Clown, as I like to call him. Indeed. Indeed. The other day I'm just watching his speech and uh, reading articles about it on the internet. And I must say, I don't know who in the White House, because it clearly wasn't him. I'm not entirely sure he's capable of flossing his teeth right now. I was set up the aesthetic for that speech where he branded half the country terrorists, but I can't decide if he was going for Sith Lord and he's the Emperor proclaiming that the Republic has fallen in Star Wars, or if he's Big Brother during the two-minute hate at the beginning of 1984, or uh, or it's so cliche to call people Hitler, I'm not going to do it. Other people on the internet did it. 
people photoshopped Hitler into that place and <laughs> Biden into Hitler's place, but they must that's, exterminate that's the Republican dogs and extend the leftist master race to the ends of the earth. Fear Democratia. <laughs> oh my god. I don't know who uh, thought that was a good idea to make that as intimidating and very undemocratic looking, actually. But all all it was missing was a lightning strike in the background. But uh, absolutely, if I didn't know any better, I would say that Kamala might be setting some of that shit up for him to perhaps potential. Yeah. Speaking of the background. If you look in the background of those photos, what do you see? You see two, two uniformed U.S. Marines in dress blue alphas. And that's that's really important. And Some commentators have missed this. Others picked up on it and were very perceptive of it. But the U.S. military is supposed to be an explicitly non-political institution. That mean? means that the state isn't supposed to use the troops... In a political way. If you, as Private Bob or Corporal Jim, want to do X, Y, and Z that's politics on your time or do it in something in not in your capacity as a soldier, sailor, airman, or marine, go and do that. That that's what you do in a republic. But once you're doing once you're in the uniform, you shouldn't be ordering other people in uniform to do something political. And you don't do something political while you're in uniform. That's right. That's what you're supposed to do. I mean, hell, and that's what you're not supposed to do. Hell, but if a troop, here. if a troop criticizes the president too heavily on his social media, he he can be he can be reprimanded for that. I mean, it's, right? It's like shitting on your boss. But yet, the, right. At the same time, I'm pretty sure your boss isn't supposed to have you assisting him in spreading political propaganda. At least not during yes. a speech. Uh, not during a domestic speech on his own home turf. Like it, I, I've, I've never heard of that being done before. Or I've never seen it. Maybe it has, I don't know. But I haven't seen it. And it seemed pretty... Like I said, you, you might as well have just added a fucking Antichrist flag behind him. Yes. Uh, the military sometimes has gotten politicized in our history, but it, this is one of those things where it's it's very stark. It stands out. It comes up and slaps you in the face. Because what's the symbol of U.S. military power? Well, well it's you know, one of our most iconic units, the Marines. Get them in their flashy uniforms. Have them stand behind the present. When you got red floodlights bathing everything. And the president's up there gesticulating and denouncing half the country. That's a very rare thing. And not to get off topic, but even in the lead up, up to the Civil War, President Lincoln was very gracious with the rebel states and the rebels and never addressed them as subhumans or, or that they're ontologically evil or something. But usually spoke in relatively conciliatory terms. Lincoln himself and said, we are not enemies, but friends. Precisely. Uh, the whole, the war between the states, were, even, was a 
rather cordial affair by uh, modern standards. I was reading in a book, Crucible of Command, about how Lee, at one point, like, sunk to the level of calling Northerners, quote, those people in his personal letters. And he never got further than that, for instance. Just calling Northerners those people. Well, now we've got, well, read Twitter now. Oh, and you've got people saying all kinds of epithets and things people really shouldn't be saying about their countrymen. Hillary and Clinton really, calling Trump yeah. supporters basket of deplorables. Biden standing up and straight up saying, hey, 74 million people are a threat to democracy and they're going to violently overthrow you. They are a threat to you and your family and your livelihood. That's... Yes, that's a very disturbing thing to say about a group of people who voted for a president and that president in that election more votes than any sitting president ever had in a re-election bid. Exactly. So that's a lot to say about a lot of people. Which, uh, going off on a bit of a tangent here, speaking of the 2020 election, do you believe that it was stolen through widespread voter fraud? This is going to alienate some people in the listener base, it, the perspective listener base at least, because as there's been this debate going back and forth for, well, two years now, and we're still rehashing it, but I can't say that I've seen what I would call conclusive proof that there were was widespread fraud. You see stuff in the news a little bit. I remember a couple weeks ago, there was a story about how a Democrat official in the Four Corners area who was caught ballot harvesting, which is illegal. You can't do that. And uh, I believe she may be serving jail time because of that, or at least had to pay a fine. Voter fraud exists. No one says it doesn't. But the question is, is it on a scale big enough to tip a U.S. election? And that's a big claim. I think it needs big evidence. What say you? Yeah, exactly. I saw that story too. And I mean, voter fraud, obviously, like there's some degree of voter fraud in every election ever, everywhere. Um, but I agree with you. I mean, uh, Sniffy the Clown gained 81 million votes, which roughly... 7 million more than Trump got. So we'd be talking about 7 million illegal votes. That's, I mean, he could have gotten less than that and it still would have been an unfair win if there was voter fraud because all it takes is just the right amount in certain swing states. But right, the, there's no telling it. I've said this before and I'll say it again. I don't actively think that there was widespread voter fraud, it would not surprise me in the least if there was. And there's no question there was corruption in the election. Mark Zuckerberg himself went on the Joe Rogan podcast and said that the FBI contacted him and told him to take down any posts relating to the Hunter Biden laptop story. And right. 79 Including from the New York Post. Exactly. Not exactly a big bastion of conservatism. Yeah, exactly. And so, some like 79% of Americans, according to 
certain polls I've seen, roughly around like 70 to 80 percent of Americans say that they believe that that would have affected the election differently if it had been allowed to be spread. That's right. corruption. That You won't see that very much on the news, but... Indeed. If we're going to broaden what it means to be election interference to things like that, then we can definitely say that there's been a lot more election interference. It it's really strikes me that a, in a purportedly free state like we're supposed to be, the government is getting involved in helping us choose our leaders. I thought we were adults. I thought we were citizens. I thought we were wise enough to choose our own leaders. Isn't that the, the central premise of having a republic? Well, no, but no, instead, no. It, it, it's we have these shadowy people that are trying to choose them for us? That sounds rather unfair to me. Well, no, it, it's for the 12-year-olds that they're trying to get to vote. <laughs> right. Yep. But remember, if you, if you don't want dead people voting, you're, you're anti-democratic. I live in Illinois, and there's a saying in Chicago, vote early, vote often. <laughs> vote <laughs> early, vote often. That I, I thought Chicago uh, mostly just said, bang, 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 ah! But, Chicago uh, is Chicago. It's a great town. No way in hell I'll ever live there. <laughs> yeah, I, I went there once about two years ago. I made the mistake of going there in January. Oh, I, I was waddling like a penguin. But uh, speaking of democracy, brings brings me to the next big topic that you can't go outside without hearing every three seconds. The Mar-a-Lago raid. You believe that that right. was weaponized by the White House? Yeah, I'll say probably, but the biggest thing with the Mar-a-Lago raid is the precedent it set. To the best of my knowledge, the private dwelling of a former U.S. president has never been the subject of a militarized police raid by the state. So this is totally new territory. You've got the agents of the state going in and seizing documents from not a former politician, but a former president, a symbol of the American Republic. Whether you like it or not, the president is a symbol of the American Republic. And this has never happened before. And one, a Latin American leader, I want to say he was a president down there, said that, on Twitter, what would the American media say if I raided the house of the former president of the country that he is the leader of? Because this is the kind of behavior that gets countries branded banana republics. But it's happening in the United States. That should give people pause. That should make people wonder what exactly is going on. That, this is a bad precedent, and it makes you worry about what happens next and what's going to push the envelope just a little bit farther, because we've never gotten that far. 
That's true. I what never, is the government going to do next? That's true. I, I never thought about it that way. If I heard about some foreign president or e even taking the current president out of the picture, if I heard about the former president of another country being raided by their law enforcement, I would... I would think either that former president really, really fucked up or the current president is really, really fucked up. It's, yeah, it's never happened before. And I never, if you had told me, even at the peak of Trump's controversy, like during his presidency, I never would have, I never would have thought that he would have his house raided. And with the claims talking about, you know, he has files, uh, classified documents, which it, it's, Confirmed he had documents, but the case, at least that Trump is making for himself, is that the president has the ability to declassify whatever documents they want during their presidency. So they have to have proof that he didn't, and there's no, there's no official process for them doing that. He could have dead-ass, while he was on his way out of the White House, waved the papers up, in the air and said, hey, these are declassified, and gone on his merry way, and they're declassified. So they have to find evidence that it wasn't declassified, or they have to find that the documents were the exception to the declassification terms. They have to, they have to prove that the documents are God, I can't remember what exactly they are, but it's a certain group of documents I believe it's nuclear launch codes. I believe it's right. in that category. Those are the documents that the president can't declassify. And I've heard claims that that's what they are. But if that was the case, Trump would already be in prison. Quite possibly. And that would be, maybe that's the next thing that's going to push the envelope. Throwing a former president in prison. I, I don't. I don't you think that's. Shit. I don't think that's going to happen. I really don't. Because I really hope it doesn't. I hope it doesn't. True, but I really don't think it's going to because you, you got to think about. It. Ever since Trump was elected, he has been under constant investigation: two impeachments, the Mueller report, this Mar-a-Lago raid. The the Democrats, especially, have been on his ass constantly and I really think that if he had so much as a parking ticket he'd be in prison by now so either he's the most brilliant criminal mastermind in the history of the world which in that case he's not going to be found he's not going to be caught anyway or he's innocent it's I, I, I don't think he's going to end up in prison I really don't yes not that I'm too concerned about uh, Trump do, being a complete criminal. Uh, some of the allegations of the people who seem to make their entire living selling tell-all books from the White House's side. But what I'm concerned about is the perversion of the justice system and them passing some complete travesty of justice that wouldn't fly normally. But because the rules that govern society seem to be breaking down right now, then exactly. I'm worried, so to speak, that 
Exactly. Something that wouldn't fly other lot-wise is going to fly because the rules don't mean what they used to mean. Which is, of course, a big signal that a society is just not very healthy. Especially if it's done to Trump. Remember that? Indeed. Imagine if the FBI raided Obama's home under the Trump administration. He'd, he'd, he'd yeah. probably be impeached for it. Potentially. Again. Yeah. Impeached again. Yeah. A third time. So, do you think if the election was held again right now, do you think Trump would win against Biden? Knowing what we know and ha with the last two years having already happened or, or not? If, yeah, if, the, if they just said, fuck it, let's move the... 2024 election up to 2022. Everything's already happened. Okay. Everything's the same. Trump was the economy president. It was times were good with Trump. Joe Biden. He, I swear this man has taken his entire economic agenda and plagiarized it from an Ayn Rand novel. This man is a villain in an Ayn Rand book. He has completely wrecked the U.S. economy. Trump may have printed a lot of money, and, it, and maybe as people embraced modern monetary theory and inflationism, um, he was the biggest spender in U.S. history towards the end. But now, of course, Biden is going to surpass him. So people care about the economy. Bill Clinton, it's the economy, stupid. So I do not think. Joe Biden would win that election if it was held today. I would be pulling for Trump on that one. Right. I, Whether I, I would vote for him, I'm not entirely sure. I'm leaning yes. If you would vote for him, like in the Republican primaries? In the generals. You're, I'm definitely voting for him in the primaries. You mean like you're not sure if you would vote for him against Biden? Yes. There's always the lingering chance I'll break ranks and uh, vote for an independent party like uh, one, dur during their election where J.B. Pritzker, the governor of my home state of Illinois, was being elected. I was unable to vote for the Republican runner-up, so I ended up voting for a, a third-party conservative. Right. He barely polled, but I was happy with my vote. And... Uh, on a few other occasions, I've I've voted for libertarians down tickets where they are actually running. So that possibility is always there, but like seventy percent of the time, I end up voting Republican. Right. So uh, speaking of Illinois elections, I, I can't remember is is J.B. Pritzker up for re-election this year? He is. He is right. So how do you think that's going to turn out? Uh, because obviously I don't live in Illinois. Do you think that he's particularly popular in your state? I do not hear very much good said about this guy. He's He's got some baggage in the closet. J.B. Pritzker is a ultra-rich multi-billionaire banker who of course, got politically suspect loans from the Obama administration during the Great Crash, before he was a politician, really. 
people don't seem to like this guy. Maybe I don't have enough left-wing friends. That's possible. I'll endorse the possibility that that my uh, perspectives are of like the people I talk to aren't diverse enough. But I honestly don't think he's going to get reelected. You drive around, and there are these these uh, signs that say "profanity Pritzker" all over the place. So. This guy is not liked. I don't think he's going to win, but the Republican runner-up, I can never remember the fellow's name. Uh, I'm not told that he's that strong candidate, actually. I believe J.B. Pritzker even gave him money, his campaign, because he thought he would be an easy candidate to beat. Right. Uh, that's called the Pied Piper uh, method, right? Could be. I'm not familiar with that term. Right. Well, that I, I heard that was the term, uh, and it was it was eventually the downfall of Hillary. That uh, like that's what got Donald Trump elected is because, and this is just a theory, but it, it's what I heard. Uh, Hillary Clinton apparently told a bunch of her connections at major news outlets, "Hey, let's prop up this Donald Trump guy because there's no way I'd lose to him," but. We saw how that ended up. So you learn something new every day, and that's and very I, plausible. I heard it was called the Pied Piper uh, technique. So what I'm seeing is Darren Bailey is apparently the Republican candidate. That's the guy. Right. Can never remember that fellow's name. He doesn't have very good name recognition. I I, I think. Yeah, As I can't even remember his name off the top of my head. I wouldn't imagine Republicans get much notoriety in Illinois. Illinois is a bastion of the Democratic Party. Exactly. That's There's no two ways about it. Yeah, I've, I've heard it's called the... Uh, it's one of the big three of the Democratic Party. California, Illinois, and New York. Yes. Chicago ensures that this state will not go red in the foreseeable future. It's tragic seeing that in so many states that would be red if it wasn't for the big cities. Like I've heard Oregon would be a pretty safely Republican state if it wasn't for Portland. And I think Washington would be purple, at least, without Seattle. That would be a step in the right direction. I My heart really goes out to some of the people who have to live under the soft oppression, really, of these democratic states that adopt such fortunate policies, but they have no voice in the state legislature to oppose it except for a few token state senators or representatives. They sure have no chance at the governorship, and the presidency is just off the table. This is exactly why we need the Electoral College. I agree. Speaking of which, uh, it's funny how a lot of Democrats claim to be for the minority and giving a voice to the voiceless, and yet they advocate for taking away the Electoral College because the 49% should just be the bitch of the 51. Indeed. It, uh, pure majoritarianism. The theory that the 50% plus one gives you an infinite sanction do whatever you want do as thou wilt 
That is extremely dangerous, exactly. and it leads to horrid excesses. Exactly. So, moving on to American history. So, it's obviously at this point, we've pretty much given away that you and I hold some pretty unpopular opinions. So, yes. And there is one that we do disagree on, although I do understand a lot of where you come from on this. So, you've made it pretty clear, at least to me, that you're not the biggest fan of Abraham Lincoln. I have some criticisms of him. Like, perhaps the biggest one would be inscription. Inscription. The draft is a very vile institution. When you get right down to it, the, con the conscripting of man to serve in the defense of a state is putting not just his property, like an income tax, which he was also the first one in American history to introduce, he, although he, it was repealed sometime later. He was the first one to instate income tax? An income tax, yes. It was repealed sometime later. It was a temporary wartime measure, but right. Dr. Robert Higgs in his book Crisis and Leviathan has showed that uh, these temporary measures usually aren't so temporary, but I digress. But conscription seizes the, not, just, not the property of a man, which is bad enough, but seizes the entire life of a man and forces him to undergo the rigors of the military. Great for some people, but is the, is the constructive effect being in the military worth forcing it on just anyone? I dissent to that. Also dissent to the theory that the government can forcibly take you from your factory, from your field, from your occupation, put you in uniform and put you on the front lines to do the bidding of old men in Congresses and cabinets. This strikes me as a very unfair deal to the people being conscripted. Uh, sometimes I hearken back to that old, old uh, joking argument that's maybe not so joking that you don't really see wars fought between the heads of state. Perhaps the next time um, the U.S. wants to uh, fight with Russia over something in some proxy, like we're doing in Ukraine, Joe Biden should wrestle Vladimir Putin and just leave our economy unruined and uh, leave our soldiers alive. Yep. The people of Russia and the United States would be happier for that. I'm, I imagine by the original point. Conscription, not a big fan of conscription. Yeah, the draft is terrible. So, where exactly would you, where would you rank Lincoln from A to F? I would uh, need to give that greater thought, but in the lower 50%. In the lower 50? The I lower 50. The, I, I do agree that he is a bit overrated. You know, uh, people saying that he's the best president ever. And I I agree that he handled the Civil War 
better than most people could. Although that's possible. Although I do believe that him instating martial law on the northern states and starting a witch hunt, that's never justified. And that knocks him down a lot for me. Although... What next? Go on. Uh, and another thing is we don't know where he stood on really anything outside of the Civil War. His entire presidency was focused on the Civil War, which is understandable. If there's ever a time... For a president to say, fuck foreign policy, fuck the economy, whatever, I need to focus on this right now, it would be a civil war. But with that said, it's still a bit out there for us to say, yeah, he was the best president out of all 46, or 45, not counting Grover Cleveland. Uh, he was the best out of all of them when we don't know where he stood on anything. Well, I'll, I'll dissent to that a little bit. A little while ago, I was reading a, a book of essays about uh, the presidency from a rather radical libertarian perspective edited by uh, Professor Denson. And uh, Professor DiLorenzo in that book wrote a very critical portrait of Lincoln's economic policy under the essay, Abe Lincoln and the Triumph of Mercantilism, where he goes back through a lot of Lincoln's old stump speeches and uh, some of his actions prior to getting into politics, like when he was the arch railroad lobbyist. As a little digression, look at the triumph of politically connected railroads under his watch. The first building of a transcontinental with insane government largesse under his watch right after the southern states seceded. The southern states which were completely opposed to internal improvements. Railroads being government-funded. Lincoln, the arch-railroad lobbyist. But I digress. Lincoln and railroads is a whole nother can of worms. But right. Professor DiLorenzo criticized uh, Lincoln's economic policies as nonsensical. Some of the things he said on the stumps, the stump trail, I can't quote them off the top of my head, sadly. It just didn't make sense. Right. He's been called an economic crank, and I uh, tend to think that way myself. Again, he introduced the in an income tax, which wouldn't rear its ugly head again until uh, the early days of the 20th century. Woodrow Wilson. Hey, Frank, yeah. Frank Todorov, another classical liberal philosopher I like, called the income tax the turning point in American history where everything after that is total government control. Everything before that, not total freedom, but at least the freedom to dispose of the better part of your property and not have it get conscripted by the state. Right. I, I didn't know that about Lincoln and the railroads, but... Uh, I def again, you know way more about that than I do. I definitely need to do some more research on that myself. But um, speaking of the income tax, this is also where we both hold some very unpopular opinions. Woodrow Wilson, FDR, I don't give a fuck what anyone else say. They were fucking awful. The absolute worst we've ever had. Fucking. We could do so much better. America deserves better. 
the the fact that Woodrow Wilson is considered a one of the better presidents and FDR is considered by many to be in the top three, that is actually terrifying to me. Like that's that's fucking awful. It shows the true colors of the historians we listen to. Historians if are just political praising, journalists. Yes. We're praising Woodrow Wilson, the guy who brought the United States into the most pointlessly wasteful war we could have ever gotten into. World War One had absolutely no point to. It was a diplomatic blunder where that Henry Kissinger called it a doomsday machine that the European and states set up by their networks of alliances and no one gained anything. So, Some of the historians say it's ideological and it's a crusade against monarchism. We're going to destroy the old Habsburg influence, all this. Uh, no, no. That's, that's, that's not real. That, that's, the war wasn't about monarchism. Otherwise, we wouldn't have fought alongside the Russian czar. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, not how this works. So how, how do you think we should have responded to the Zimmerman telegram? To be quite honest, I'm not convinced that the Zimmerman telegram wasn't a complete British ploy to get us into the war. Really? That's new. I haven't heard that one before. Some scholars have argued it in the past. I, I haven't dug too deep into it, but there have been some essays traded back and forth about if that was real. But what is real is that the British cut the line between Germany and the United States. So all news from the continent had to be filtered and of course, the Brits were the ones who gave us the Zimmerman note. That's true. That's how it goes. Is they intercepted it. Then look. Fast forward. Look to the next war. We have Winston Churchill trying to bring us into another war in Europe. It's always the always the British trying to bring us into a world war in Europe. Yep. Works of history. Works of history. Yeah. The Gr Great Britain is the really dramatic, dumb, blonde girl of the class that just has to bring everybody into their shit. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> you might have a point. Yeah. But, um, of course, <laughs> after Woodrow Wilson, you know, uh, FDR, number 32... Everybody praises him for getting us out of the Great Depression, even though he prolonged it by almost a fucking decade. Yes. And yet, what's funny is, um, you know, they say that Herbert Hoover was a, one of the worst presidents because he was very hands-off. He was not hands-off. He really wasn't. He was like an FDR light. And then FDR campaign saying that Herbert Hoover wasn't doing enough and then FDR comes in and just does about a hundred times more than Herbert Hoover did. And then the Great Depression lasts a decade, over a decade, and everybody praises him for pulling us out of it. I'm like, yeah, sure, we got out of it eventually because of World War II. But FDR, FDR shit, which we are still suffering from economically today. I promise you, if if FDR didn't get involved, the Great Depression would have lasted maybe three years. Three to five years, maybe. 
It definitely wouldn't have been nearly as bad as we remember it. We might have been able to drop the grate if uh, states, and especially the central bank, such as the Federal Reserve, weren't uh, playing some monkey games with currency. But I digress. Uh, World War II, just building off what you said a second ago. I'm not even sure that did end the Depression. Because once the war spending ended, all the Keynesians, the New Dealers, and the well, the fair dealers at that point, because it's Truman, they're all saying that the world is going to end, the Great Depression is going to come back with a fury even worse than it was in the beginning, because now we're going to demobilize the army and the fleet, and no one is going to have a job. Panic, panic, panic. But once Congress drops the price controls and a lot of the Great Depression regulations that Roosevelt put in place, then the economy explodes and that massive demobilization gets completely absorbed by the labor force. The economy grows and grows faster, but it only grows after deregulation. Exactly. It's about time society drops this idea that a president is better if he gives the government more power. People credit Woodrow Wilson for establishing the Federal Reserve. That's not a good thing. No. It's neat. And it's about time. Like I, I don't know when that happened. I mean, we went from the Founding Fathers revolting against the British government because of government control to people loving uh fun fact warren g harding was very popular during his presidency it, w it wasn't until his after his death and people were made aware of all the corruption and fraud in his administration but people loved more freedom and the government staying out of damn near everything no income tax no federal reserve no ultra-powerful Uncle Sam. And now people praise FDR for Social Security and a strong, powerful central government, and Woodrow Wilson for effectively wanting to turn the government into a pyramid scheme where the president is at the very top. When did that happen? Why? What is it with people praising strong federal government? What I usually attribute to is a fundamental ideological change. I think, personally, this, is, this happened during the Progressive Era. Last decade, decade and a half of the 19th century, first two decades of the 20th century. There's a lot of reform movements around this time. The Democratic Party is lost to leftism. And uh, the conservative wing of the Democratic Party around that time, I mean took a backseat in perpetuity to the progressive wing. Back during that time, there was a progressive and a conservative wing of the Republican and Democratic parties. In the progressive era, the namesake factions of both parties triumph. And that's how you get, at, like at Theodore Roosevelt, running on ostensibly a progressive ticket, but he's a Republican. Well, that's because the progressive one in the Republican Party, too. But 
I digress. Party politics is party politics, but we're talking about ideology right now. It seems to me I'm going to have to do more research on this because this ideology is hard to track over time, but I can't, I don't see anywhere else where it happened before the progressive era, the intellectuals, the newspapers, everyone's talking in this language of freedom as a primary objective that the state is not to be your sugar daddy, basically Amen. afterwards, after the progressive era, people look to government like a paternal figure. They look to government as a last resort or increasingly as a first resort. I think that's where it happened. I think it's ideological. More study needs to happen in this area, but people, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. What say you? People need to understand that the helping hand that the government is handing you is a wife-beating, jizz-stained hand. Very well put. The government, as Ronald Reagan said, the nine most terrifying words in the English language is, I'm from the government, and I'm here to help. That's about the size of it. Yeah, I mean, some... And, and there's, there's no real one source that you can point to to prove that it's every passing minute of history since the civilization of humanity started government is inherently corrupt and it will always become more corrupt if it's given the chance absolutely it, sure yeah take some welfare checks from the government do that because it wants you to it wants you the Uncle Sam wants you to rely on him. That that's also why so many Democrats now are advocating well virtually every Democrat now is advocating for gun control, welfare, taxpayer funded health care. They don't want you to be able to support yourself. Where have we heard this before? Oh yeah, the social democracies of Europe. The Democratic Party may not be actual socialists like Bernie Sanders, like I'm a Democratic socialist, but I, I honestly don't think he's a socialist of any kind. I think he's a social democrat. There's a big it, difference. It, there, There uh, is a difference. Socialism yeah. is when the government actually, the state actually runs the means of production. He Precisely. Just, yeah, he wants... The, he wants several services to be government funded, but he still believes in private corporations which would most of them would fail under social democracy but that's neither here nor there yeah but either way Ber bernie sanders is a very interesting politician because even though he is from the swamp of dc uh, he's not uh, for the lack of a better term he's not a lizard person he's not He's not like most of the others. His policies may be worse, but I he's one of the few people of DC that I do believe actually has good somewhat good intentions. Oh, no doubt about it. He's just, he's I'm sure most idiot. of the people in politics have good intentions, but good intentions don't count for very much. Yes, especially when you're not like Bernie Sanders and although I I will say this, the more 
I learn about Bernie Sanders, the more convinced I am that he would be better than Biden simply because he would not do anything. I think he would be too busy trying to water the magical trees that the free shit will grow on. I think that, say he won the Democratic primaries in 2020, and say he beat Trump, I think things would be the exact same right now as they were when Trump left office. Because Bernie would just be trying to do all this shit that could not happen. He wouldn't have ended up doing at least like half the shit that Biden has done. I uh, hope you're right. Me the too. alternative is if he actually is able to marshal a bunch of funding through uh, basically the printing firm. And uh, in which case we might be seeing inflation that's worse than what we have now. Yeah. The U.S. dollar is somewhat unique. We're able to get away with monetary gizmos and tricks that wouldn't work if like Kazakhstan or Zimbabwe or uh, hell, even the French, even like, uh, I'm not even sure the European Union, I also said the French, were, would be able to do it. But it's all a confidence game in monetary economics. And when people lose confidence in the dollar and lose confidence in the ability for the government to pay back their treasury bond, then we might have some problems down the line. thought that the beginning of that in the Obama administration, when our credit rating got downrated for the first time, I'm aware. And, uh, yeah, I think we might be seeing more of that in the future. I sure hope not. Indeed. But, yeah... If if Bernie was president, it would be either nothing happening or the very worst possible shit happening. Which, I think you're absolutely correct. It, it, it would give the current Biden administration a run for its money, which is really tragic. It, the The whole story of of Biden is very very tragic. It's it's not unexpected, but all all Biden had to do was sit back and do pretty much nothing. He was handed a recovering economy, uh, a vaccine that he that was not made under him at all whatsoever. If he stood back and did nothing for two to four years, he probably would have won re-election and the Democrats would have praised him for the recovering economy that he was handed. But he decided to right. get his grubby little fucking hands on it, stick his nose in a little girl's hair again, and, well, look at where we are now. Indeed. It's now there. Biden's out here giving that speech like we talked about at the beginning. Exactly. And it's, quite frankly, his speeches are really, really entertaining to watch until you remember he's our commander-in-chief. Right, right. You see his stuff on Instagram. There little snippets of his speeches. And uh, sometimes, not even sometimes, but often, I feel legitimately bad that this guy has to go through this. This isn't Joe Biden. We know Joe Biden. 
He's a known quantity in politics. He says dumb shit a lot. He's been doing, he's been saying dumb shit for decades, but the way he's saying dumb shit these days is on a level that he hasn't hit in his political career. And it makes me seriously wonder about his mental health, his stability, and if he's fit for the job. And forcing such a high responsibility on someone who might not be capable of that is frankly elder abuse. That that's wrong. He's he's not even capable of running his own bowel movements. It's 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 bad. Like it's it's clear at this point it's not just making fun of a few gaffes. That's what I thought at first. Whenever he first announced that he was running for candidacy and he said poor kids are just as bright and talented as white kids. I mean, I, I laughed at it at first. I was like, haha, racist. But I, I I knew. I was like, it's a gaffe. Everyone misspeaks. It's fine. But then he did it again and again and again and again and again. And now he's shaking hands with ghosts. He's calling up his own advisors to walk him off the stage because he gets lost. He's falling asleep during conferences. Fucking making these weird ass faces as if all the lights are on but nobody's home it's pretty much undeniable at this point his own party doesn't even want him it's undeniable he is not there there is clearly some decline his medical advisor the medical advisor who examined him obama and george w bush and trump said that he was Biden was the only one that showed any signs of cognitive decline. And it's wow. it's quite quite frankly it's terrifying. It really is. This is who's well, he's at least the figurehead. Indeed. Yeah. And we don't need to talk about the alternative, the one step down from him who gets all the power if he does go under. Yes, uh, sometimes I think it was just chosen for political gain to help balance out the ticket because she's just not a very good politician. And, of course, she has a lot of negative baggage, i.e. her history as a, was it a district attorney? I believe so. District yes. attorney from California. Yes. The difference between her and Biden, you know, she has... She doesn't have gaffes as much as she has just clearly not having any idea what she's talking about. And the difference between her and Biden is Biden, he's senile. You know, he's showing clear cognitive decline. His brain is giving out on him. Kamala is just dumb. She's just plain stupid. She doesn't know what's going on. She doesn't know what to say she has no knowledge whatsoever of anything going on in the political climate she's just a terrible politician and she cackles her way through questions that she can't answer and she just i mean her sentences that she gives it sounds like she's just saying random words and then trying to fill in time by repeating that sentence backwards. It's 
it's so bad. It is really hard to listen to. I agree. All I have to say, and it's short, is read the Federalist Papers and compare the language and the ideas, like the caliber of those things, to uh, what politicians talk about and how they talk today. Read Washington's farewell address. Read the Virginia and Kentucky resolutions from Thomas Jefferson. Read any old stuff, any old political discourse items and compare it to what we're doing today. And it is rather unfortunate. Presidents used to actually speak at a college level. And uh, now I'm not sure if we're down to the grade school level yet or if that's what's coming up in the next election cycle. That's pretty <laughs> insulting, man. I, I got a nine it's year bad. old I got a nine year old little brother and he would kick their asses in a debate. And uh, that's the poverty of our politics. Is it really sounds that low? We're, hell, we need to go. At, Calvin Coolidge, easily the most underrated president. I, he's in my top five, maybe top three presidents. I say we go back to him. Silent Cal. Just don't have the president say anything. Just have them shut up for their four years, four to eight years, and we judge them based off of their actions, not what they fucking say. Cause I'll I mean, vote for that. I mean, Donald Trump said some really stupid shit, but he got the job done. And I'm, I still don't consider myself a Trump supporter. He did some shit that I really don't agree with. Obviously, he said some stupid shit. I, I give him an 85 out of 100. I give him a solid B. I think he did some really good shit. Obviously, we were better off under him than we are now. We were better off under him than we were 10 years ago under Barry. So Indeed. If he, I still think that if he just got off Twitter, he would have won both elections by a landslide. But either way, I say we go back to Silent Cow, have the president shut the fuck up, and just do their fucking job. No, we can go back to Thomas Jefferson and uh, speak at a college level again. Yeah, I do like Thomas Jefferson. But uh, I guess... As do I. I guess I'll I'll end with this last question. So, would you put Biden in your bottom five presidents already? I think it might be too early to say, but when Biden surpasses Trump as the biggest spender in American history, because he's going to, then he'll probably have a runner for one of the like at four or five spots with the bottom few reserved for uh, Woodrow Wilson, FDR, and uh, maybe Nixon, some others. Right. So would potentially, you put, would you potentially put, bottom five? Would you put Biden under Obama? I think we're going to have to wait to see you know, on that one. We're going to have to see what the last two years holds. I think that's fair. Thank you very much for having me. Hey, thank you. Thank you for joining me, man. It was an honor. All right. Whenever you want. And this will conclude our first episode of Tusk. I hope you guys facepalmed enough. And, well, we'll be back to piss you off next time.
Indeed.